1: This dducks.nb talk is sponsored by Perforce. Perforce is the number one version control resource for developers out there, professional and indie, to use and make sure that their work is the best work that is being saved. Going out there without Perforce is like going out there with a loaded gun. Why would you do that to yourself? So go over to perforce.com, give it a try. Up to five users are completely free. Because they care about you just as much as they care about us. So go over to com and give that a like. Before I start this talk, I want to remind everybody that we are having Game Night Thursdays. The first beta or test trial that we had, uh, we had a really fun uh time just playing modern warfare this week again we're gonna play again modern warfare and it's blue chance discord versus the games Call online discord so since you guys are listeners to the podcast I advise you to go to the blue chance we're gonna just be a band of people and just game out for an hour and this time it's gonna be a recorded session so uh hope to see you guys out there. I want to also thank Sam TP for signing up to be a Patreon supporter for anyone that wants to kind of help us keep the lights on and get the exclusive Patreon podcast, Life on Chain, which provides you the glimpse of behind the scenes of how I take the lessons learned from these interviews and talks and apply it to my startups and also a better look on how I'm doing. So uh, along with that, you're going to get early access to all the episodes And a chance to enter into a raffle and win stuff. So go over, give us a support. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Next immediate goal is something that I'm working on a new segment to the show called Unchained Reports, which is a narrative approach to telling a certain aspect of game development. The subject matter that I'm focusing on is freelancing. So instead of uh, one episode, it's going to be a two to three part series. And this is something that I've been working on that takes a lot of more resources than just interviews. Add sound effects, add a narrative story, add some flow. So unlocking the next goal gives me the time and focus to work on that. So if you want to give the support and some love, go to patreon.com forward slash blue champs or go to the link description and support us that way. All right, so this talk was given at the GDUX.ME 2019 in June by Derek Liu. Derek Liu focuses on how to market yourself. And conveniently, as you guys are listening to this, you might have already seen Half-Life Alex. Guess who cut that trailer up? Our dear friend, Derek Liu. In this video and trailer and the excitement around Half-Life Alex, is well over millions of views, I think, by the second day. So he knows what he's talking about. You guys uh, should definitely perk up and listen and enjoy. Uh, My
0: name is Derek Liu, and my talk is called Build Your Reputation and Help Others Through Marketing. And usually I'm talking about marketing uh, a game through a trailer, but this one's all going to be about marketing yourself. Um, And this is basically good for everyone, but especially if you're going to be a person who is independent and wants to be considered an expert in what you do. Um, This is something I think about a lot because I work from home and I need to get my name out there so that people will hire me to make trailers for their games. Um, So first, a little bit about me is, uh, like I said, I'm a trailer editor. Uh, I've worked in the movie and game trailer industry for like 10 years or so, Um, and I've been independent Making trailers for games for about four years. And some previous works are uh, Firewatch, Subnautica, Spelunky 2, Ublitz, Heaven's Vault, Tacoma, The Movie Park, and Dead Cells. Um, And then the other thing here is I write a weekly newsletter about trailers. So this is kind of my main way that um, I share my knowledge. So we're going to talk today about uh, first the challenges of going independent. Just a few of them because there are many. Um, How and why to position yourself as an expert in your field. And then how and why to share your knowledge. And then also just how to just believe in your own value. Just believe in yourself because a lot of people, we we need help doing that because a lot of times uh, we just think, yeah, we know what I do. It's not a really big deal. But it's a big deal. Um, Okay. So... Just some examples of things that I've shared from, I've gained from sharing my knowledge. Uh, I was featured in PC Gamer. I was about to be on Game Dev Unchained podcasts and the Splunky Show Like podcast. Um, just recently, I got featured in the Game Makers Toolkit episode about making trailers, which is super amazing. And then I've gotten some more clients or potential clients. And then also just kind of clients coming to me with more confidence in hiring me, which is a really big deal, which we'll get to why. Um, And this year, I was actually asked back to speak at GDC. Um, What happened was I submitted a talk and it got rejected. But then later on, someone from GDC said that they put me on um, a list of people that they should call back. Uh, So then I got in anyway, which is really, really cool. Okay. So let's talk about challenges of going independent. Okay. (laughs) So... If you're leaving a job, whether uh, you wanted to, or uh, if, God forbid, you got laid off or something like that, uh, the thing that you'll find is that you have a lot of hats to wear now, uh, like way more hats than you did before, because you get to worry about things like you know, money and getting work and marketing. And the thing is that the, the real problem you have when you're independent is uh, no one knows who you are. Okay, that's a really big problem when you're someone who's looking for work if no one knows that you exist. Um, And actually getting people to know who you are is probably one of the hardest things to do. And also, it's probably one of the things kind of most different from what you did before, unless you worked in PR and marketing. Um, But so the thing that you need to do to on your way to getting known is put yourself in a box. Now, some of you right now, you're probably thinking about this, oh my God, I hate this idea. No, I'm, I am more than this, this, this little box. You know, I have my hobbies, I have my tastes and my interests and my skills and all these things. And the thing is, is that regardless of what you want people to think about you, people are going to put you in a box regardless, because we just kind of simplify the world around us in this way. So, for example, if I were to ask any of you to describe a friend or colleague of yours, you would probably come up with, you know, one to three things about that person, Um, because there's just only so much we can kind of keep readily accessible at any given time. And so, the thing I say is, instead of hating the idea of being put in a box, you should enjoy it. You should, in fact, put yourself in a box like a cat. Cats love boxes. (laughs) It makes them really comfortable. Um, So, if if someone's going to put you in a box anyway, the thing I say, just choose the box, Okay. So you have to think to yourself, uh, choose the box, Uh, you think to yourself, what do you want to be known for? And then also, what are the problems that you can solve? You know, is it sound design? Is it 3D modeling? Is it animation, Uh, voiceover, QA, counting, uh, concept art or video editing? And once you find that thing that you want to be known for, then you just have to make yourself the destination for that particular thing. So if you think about the way that uh, people decide to, say, follow someone on Twitter, usually it's something like, oh, this person is really good at X, so I'm going to follow them for this. It's usually never like, okay, this person enjoys this, 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 and this. Perfect, I'm going to follow them. Usually it's, it's one or two things. Saying, this is going to add some sort of value to my timeline because of uh, I'm interested in concept art or something. And so once you find that box, uh, put yourself in a smaller box. Uh, put yourself in just the smallest box possible. Something in um, stand-up comedy uh, people give as a tip is that they say, in a stand-up comedy, all your material should be as personal as possible because that means that no one else can have the material. There won't be any overlap because you're telling like, your own life story. So the smaller, the more specific that you make what you do, to you, then uh, the better situation you'll be in. So for example, um, you know, just think about what is unique about your work. Uh, and then what is your niche within a niche? So for example, I could tell people that I'm an editor. And I could also tell them I'm a trailer editor. And then even further, I could say I'm a game trailer editor. And then even further than that, I say, I'm an indie game trailer editor. So once it's that specific, then people say, oh, wow, Derek says indie game trailers. So he must be the indie game trailer guy. Whereas if I just had trailer editor, you might be like, I don't know if they can do indie games. You know, maybe they just, they just do movies. Um, so, yeah, find a way to make your work specific. And it can work in lots of different jobs. So, for example... Uh, If you're a game designer, maybe you want to uh, niche down to like narrative game design or game feel or uh, strategy games, Um, or maybe you're an animator, but maybe you want to be a technical animator, you're a gameplay animator, you're a cinematics animator, animator, and just pick the thing so then people will know you for that thing. And pretty much the more niche that you make something, the easier it will be to find an audience. And then the next thing you do after that is you share generously. Just share as much of your knowledge as you can. Nothing is too small. Um, I think that a lot of game developers don't share their their knowledge uh, very often during the year. I mean, they do they share, but maybe it, it'll be like at GDC, maybe once a year, or some other event. And then the rest of the time, maybe it's just kind of sharing ch- uh, tips on Twitter or something like that. Um, but if you can, take just the time to just share as much as you can as often as you can. And you might think, okay, this sounds like a lot of work. But the thing is, is like, not every single thing has to be, like, the be-all, end-all uh, uh, documents on this one thing. You can just just take one little idea and then just make a blog post or something like that. Um, so yeah you can either write blog posts you can record like a podcast you could uh, film stuff for youtube or you could like screen capture your work while you're doing it and like make a time lapse or something just anything that people might find interesting that's related to your work Um, and also it's really good to just have it in one place so I put my stuff on my website um, so then that when people go there they can read all the different articles Um, I think that I see a lot of advice on like Twitter threads, but if I ever want to kind of go back to some of that stuff, I don't know where to go to find it unless I just know exactly what search to type in. So it's good to have just a body of work about uh, just the way that you think. And also this is a long-term strategy. Um, So consistency is really important. This isn't like, okay, I'm gonna write a few blog posts and all of a sudden everyone knows who I am and I'm gonna get hired. Okay. So again, so why share uh well, okay, so think about someone that you follow online or someone that you know, and just think about uh and if they if they share their knowledge, so think about that person and then I think, what do you think about that person? you know do you see them as an expert um, do you see them differently than someone who maybe has the same job, um, but maybe the other person doesn't share their knowledge? I mean, if you're anything like me then the person who's just sharing their knowledge, I'm going to gravitate towards them if I want to, say, hire someone who's doing whatever they're doing. Um, because the reason is that uh, sharing shows how you think. Um, it helps other people learn from your process. So if the, you don't know how to like, make trailers, and i say, this is how I got to this idea for this trailer, then they understand um, some of the steps that it might take if they want to make their own trailer, for example. Um, And it also shows what working with you is like. And this is really important because uh, like a lot of us, we uh, we worry about our portfolio and like having a really, really nice and shiny portfolio. And that's great. You need that. But people just, when they look at your portfolio, they don't know necessarily what the process was that you went through to get there. You know, for all they know, something on your portfolio took you three months to make and they need to hire you to, to do something that they only have three weeks for. Or maybe uh, it was a really you were really difficult to work with on the project. But if you just have all this stuff written out, then people get a better idea of who you are. It's like kind of halfway to a job interview, which the job interview is usually to uh, get a feel of the person because people want to work with nice people. It doesn't matter how good someone is. I mean, someone has to be totally amazing at their job to get hired if they're difficult to work with. But even then... Someone probably wouldn't. Uh, so, for example, of uh, people just showing how they think, um, Claire Hummel on Twitter, She is Shumla, uh, she's the art director for Campo Santo right now, and she, on Twitter, shares a lot of her sketches that show her process before she um, finishes an illustration. And, like, I'm not a concept artist or a character designer, so when I look at a finished piece, I have no idea what, it, what goes into that. But then if I see all these sort of sketches, um, I can just look at them and be like, oh, cool, wow, Claire does like a lot of research before she does her sketch. And that would make me more inclined to hire someone like Claire uh, if I needed that sort of artist. And the other thing that's good about sharing is that it will strengthen you. Um, you will become more of an expert because teaching other people what you do just really, really levels you up. Because if you think about it, there are a lot of things that you probably do in your work that you have a certain process for that if you had to tell someone how to do what you do step by step, you might realize that what you do is not the most efficient way of doing that thing. So, then... Just the the very idea of having to share this knowledge and write it down step by step, that will actually uh, improve your process in a lot of cases because, like, okay, I'm not going to tell them to do this way. This is a bad habit. So, okay, this is actually better. And then you'll come up with a better process just from being forced to share it with someone else because, I mean, everyone has bad little habits that they don't want to admit to. But we keep them to ourselves, so it doesn't matter as much. Um, and then the other thing is, yeah, teaching just deepens your knowledge because the other thing that comes with sharing and writing something that uh, some process of yours is that now that it's written out, you, your brain is kind of free to think about other things because, you know, oh, I know this is written out. I can just reference this later, which I sometimes do with things that I, uh, I write. Um, you know, you're basically like like Dumbledore taking the, the memories, not taking them out, but making copies of the memories in his head. And then you can uh, think about other things. Now, you might be thinking, you know, ah, Derek, imposter syndrome. Again, everyone likes to talk about imposter syndrome, or I don't know if they like to talk about it. Um, you might be thinking to yourself, like, ah, you know, who am I to teach? You know, I, I'm not an expert. And if someone says that to me, usually I just say, When will you be an expert? You know, is it a year from now? Is it five years from now? Is it 10 years from now? You know, why are you waiting? Um, And if you think that you just don't have anything to teach, then I would say, do you know more than a younger version of yourself? You know, do you know more than you did uh, a year ago, a month ago, or a week ago, even? If you do, then that means that you have something to share. Um, or the other thing you could think about is, do you see a common problem that you can help solve? So for example, uh, like trailers, uh, I see that people all the time, they, they leave the HUD on in the trailer when in the, it's a scenario when they really shouldn't. So I wrote tons of blog posts being like, turn off your HUD when in your trailers, when it's not necessary. Or just many, many other things that I see that are very common in trailers. So I just, I just write articles saying, Hey, don't do this X, Y, Z. um, And the other thing that think about if you're hesitant about putting out like content is someone less experienced than you is born like every few seconds. Someone less experienced than you, maybe they just got internet access or they just graduated from school or maybe they just got the entry level version of your job. So that means that there's an audience for anything that you could write. And you might think also, you know, I'm not the best I'm not the best at what I do. There are people they are just, they're so much better than me. And I say to that, so what? You know, are they sharing their knowledge? Or do they say verbatim the exact same things that you would say? Uh, do you think that every single teacher that you've ever had was the best at what they do? Like they were the best English teacher or the best history teacher or, I don't know, animation, something like that? Because uh, the thing is about the worrying about you know, not being the top of your field is that even experts like to read articles about things that they already know. This is because of um, confirmation bias where we, we get pleasure from people with the same opinions as us. Uh, I, for my newsletter about trailers, I've had friends of mine who are also trailer editors and they read my articles and they say, Oh, that was a really good article. I loved it. Um, There's all these ideas in there that I sort of knew, but you articulated them in an interesting way. So even they, got value out of it and sometimes they're just people that i look up to um so it's there's they still found it valuable um and then also just think about like on youtube how many times have you opened a tutorial on youtube and it was done by someone who is probably eight years old or you know 12 years old okay so don't don't worry about you you can do it so don't worry about it too much And then you might also be thinking, but someone else is already doing it. You know, again, so what? They're not you. You know, their audience, maybe it has some overlap with your audience. Maybe there's no overlap at all. And uh, as proof, I would just tell you that basically everything that I'm telling you right now, I've heard from so many other, say, YouTube channels or websites um, or blogs But the thing is, like, Larry and Brandon knew me, so that's why I'm here talking about this and not those other people because the audiences didn't overlap. And also, you might be thinking, uh, well, I'm really bad at writing. I'm not good at filming. So the other thing you can do is if you can't create something, then it's good to curate because – there's just so much junk on the internet. People really want to know, okay, what is the best of this thing? What, what is like the best level design for uh, uh, immersive sims? Or what's the best sound design in, in AAA games? So just think about like what would your best of look like? You could make uh, like a playlist on YouTube. You could make a gallery. You could make a blog post. Um, and also just even the act of curating shows your taste and your personality and your thinking. I mean, maybe it'll, the people will find out that you have bad taste. But if you have a really thoughtful way of curating, then that still says a lot about you, even though you didn't technically make anything. You just made the list. Um, and also, you can, you can build an audience this way. So for example, um, my friend Ben, who's making UBlitz um, with his wife, uh, I follow him on Twitter, I mean, for Ublitz news, but also because he has like a very specific aesthetic taste. In games and art. So I know that if I follow him on Twitter, then I'll get these kind of screenshots or gifs of games uh, every now and then in my feed. So that's, I'm like his audience for this particular thing. Or another example is um, for many years, I listened to the Idle Thumbs podcast. And on the Idle Thumbs podcast, they're just talking about like video game design and games that they like and games that they don't like. So then by the time that a bunch of them formed Campo Santo, I was just thinking to myself, oh my God. I can't wait to find out what kind of game these people would make because they just I've just been listening to them talk about game design this entire time. Um, you know and that wasn't necessarily a strategy of theirs um, but it's just the outcome of just following them. and the other thing you got to think about is that uh, sharing helps other people reduce risk, which is something that people want to do when they're say hiring a contractor um, and the the reason is that... Again, if people understand the way that you think, then you know, they're not just, they're not just going to be like waiting and thinking, okay, well, he has the good stuff on the portfolio. I'm just going to trust that this happens, but I don't know how this is all going to work. But if they know a little bit about how the process is going to work, then they'll feel much more confident in working with you. I mean, think about it, if you had like a babysitter who uh raised your rates on you in a uh, raised their rates A certain year then you know at that time you could think well i'll just hire someone new who is cheaper but you probably won't because you already have someone that you trust um and it's because people just people don't like to make risky decisions and uh if if that means paying a little bit more then usually then they'll do it uh yeah so reciprocity the more that you give the more that people will want to return. It's just kind of a natural sort of human instinct. You know, it's not just like social obligation. Um, uh, People just kind of naturally will just think like, oh my God, you know, Derek helped me so much with this thing. At the very least, maybe they'll just send an email saying thank you, which, you know, I love when I get emails from people saying, oh my God, I, I read your articles and it helped me make a trailer. You know, that's amazing. You know, I love receiving that sort of email. Um, because the thing is just like when you provide just like so much value to people, they just they just really, really want to return it. You know, maybe they'll next time you tweet something, then they'll retweet it, they'll share something, oh this this new thing that came out and they'll they'll promote you if they feel that um you help them out. Um and yeah, just just think about someone that you follow that you appreciate in some way. You know, are you more or less likely to share something or help them out in some sort of way. Probably more likely if you feel you got some sort of value. Um, And then the mind-blown part here is that's content marketing. (laughs) You might have heard the term content marketing, and it sounds like a kind of a gross term because I know people think about like content as a sort of like disposable thing. And also marketing, people usually think, ah, marketing, isn't that like trying to convince someone to do something that you don't want to do? It's like, no, content marketing, if the term... It's simply just making valuable content to help other people. And then it makes you more visible. And in the best of cases, um, once you're more visible, then people come to you and say, hey, Derek, I read your articles about trailers. I want to work with you because um, I read all this stuff and I found it really valuable. And also, again, this is a long-term thing. This isn't a short sort of write five blog posts and let the the clients roll in. Um, And the other thing I would say is, you know, while doing this, you shouldn't do it expecting a return. You know, just just be genuine. Just genuinely want to help people. And that will come through. Because if you do it in a sort of way where it's like, you know, I'm going to write this blog post. And at the end, you're like, so hire me? Hmm? You want to wanna hire me? Then the people, are, they're going to see you right through it. So, just, just share your knowledge. And then I have some quick tips here. It's just as a, like a person who works from home and has to deal with money, just there's some little tips here for ways of thinking about money that I think could help you. Um, The first is this thing called the client call test. So, the question I ask here is, are you happy when the client calls? This is just a way to see whether or not you're getting paid enough. So, if a client calls me and I know they're paying me $50 to make a trailer, then I'm going to be like, oh, this
1: person, I don't want
0: to pick up the phone. You know what? But if they're paying me, you know, $100,000, of course, I'm going to pick up the phone any time of day. So, it's just like a quick way to be like, what is my gut feeling about how well I'm being paid? If you if they call and you're like, eh, then you're probably not being paid enough. If they call and you're like, oh, cool, then you're probably in better space. So, the next one is uh, the friend referral test. Uh, which is, would you refer this job to a friend at that rate? And what this is trying to cut through is that the way that we kind of devalue our own skills because at a certain level of skill, you're like really good at doing something like quickly, especially. So sometimes someone might come to you with a low price and you think to yourself, "Ah, it's low, but I, I can do it really fast, you know? But you just set that precedent if you just keep on taking jobs for less money. So ask yourself... If you're not sure about a price, would I give this to like my friend Jeff? And then if your answer is like no, <laughs> my friend Jeff is worth way more than that. And then you might be more likely to say that with certain dollar value than with yourself. And then this other one is you can't take care of everyone, which this sounds a little bit a little bit callous. But the idea behind this is that I think a lot of us, I I know this because I've done this before. Is that maybe you might look at a team saying, ah, they're they're a small team, they can't afford X number of dollars, so I'm going to charge them less. But the thing is, that's assuming that if you give them a big number, they'll say yes, and then just put themselves in a difficult position, which people will not do, okay? People will not say, hey, I can't afford, uh, you know, $2,000, But I'll pay it anyway, even though it means not making rent or having heat. You know, people aren't going to do that. So uh, don't worry about other people because they're already doing that for themselves. Uh, Next one here is compare rates, except when you shouldn't. Um, So Meg talked about this in earlier talk, which is, you know, talking about rates is good between colleagues and and friends. So you just know kind of generally how much something should cost. But something I used to do was... If there was someone that I really looked up to, and I and I had a general idea of how much they charge, and I was thinking to myself, oh, "Well, you know, I'm not as good as that person. I should charge less than them." But if like that person's not available to take a job, then it doesn't really matter how much they they charge. So you can't you can compare to people, but only to a certain point. Just just everyone who's working contracts in general should charge more because I think creative people, we we just. We get so good at our skills, we're like, we're good at this thing, but it's so easy. You know, it's nothing, you know, but the thing is that you can't measure it in terms of the value to you because it's the value to them. For them, they're like, oh my God, this thing that took you five seconds to do, I could never do in a week. But for you, you're like, ah, you know, it's fine, you know, maybe it's it's $5, so, but don't think that way. Okay. So, wrapping up, uh, recap, Uh, choose your box. Uh, Make yourself the go-to place for that box, share your knowledge, Uh, teaching people helps the students and the teacher and just you can do it. So go do it. And then one last thing, a little quote from Seth Godin, just a different way to think about marketing. This is from this book. This is marketing. Marketing is the generous act of helping someone solve a problem. So just go out and help people solve their problems and they'll come to you for it. And that's it um so this is my website you can go to gametrailereditor.com which is where my newsletter is and gametrailerspecs.com is if you're releasing trailers on multiple consoles and you need to know all the like end slate information and then gametrailerdebugtools.com is my gdc talk about game capture and i have a whole big list of like debug options that are good to add to your game if you're making trailers
2: and that's it hey don't say that's it like it wasn't a lot that's a lot of great content plus (laughs) if anybody's interested in more and you go read the blog the blog is chock full of helpful tough helpful stuff and tutorials i've been through your website three times before we were uh doing this one once because we did the podcast but two i check for updates since we were bringing you back here man uh (laughs) so happy to see how much how much you're interested in helping people do what you do man so yeah yeah there's Uh, there's way more work than there are versions or copies of me (laughs) plenty of fish not enough fishermen so he doesn't mind
1: all right so i'm gonna go straight to the questions and make sure we get through uh, a lot of them so uh this one comes from Calx Jumio. any tips on getting used to sharing knowledge i do at first immediately as it would be too much work even just screen capture or small tweets any suggestion on platforms to do so
0: uh i would say find the way to share that's easiest for you so uh, for me, the easiest thing for me to do was just start my newsletter and just write a blog post each week. Uh, you know, some people, maybe they're really good in front of the camera, so they just need to turn on the camera and then just start talking. If that works for you, then that's great, too. Uh, or maybe you're good at screencasting, so you're just talking to the microphone while you're navigating things uh, in your software. Um, or or just want to record and do a podcast. So I'd say find the thing that's the the easiest for you, but a lot of it there's no real trick it's just just start you know you you can't think about being like a perfectionist because then you'll just you'll just never ever start at all um it's it's not about again making like this is like carved in stone this topic you know you could delete stuff later on if it's not good you you later realize
2: Alright, next question comes in from left-handed Heather. Uh, she's asking today, or they're asking today, just because, you know, 2019, don't want to assume. Very informative. So how can you find a niche and still have a wide enough net to get clients?
0: How do you find a niche and still have a wide enough net to get clients? It's um, like if you really
2: drill down and like you said, I'm a video yeah, game,
0: yeah. trailer editor. How did you I then mean, find okay? I mean it's 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 harder to get much more niche than indie game trailer editor. <laughs> um, I mean, you, I could still even niche. I mean, in a way, I niche down even for that, because I have certain taste in indie games. So there are only certain things I take. Like, I don't really work on a lot of RTS games, uh, which, by the way, if you want to make trailers for RTS games, is a big market. Um, I think we assume that if we niche down, then there's fewer clients. But the thing that I would say is, well, how many clients do you need? You know, how many clients do you need in a year to actually get by? It's probably not a thousand. Certainly not, uh, you know, more than that. It's not a hundred even, probably. Uh, so, if your number is like, you know, twelve, like one a month, then you can probably find twelve people who need what you do. Um, and again, if you're if you're super niche, then uh, people will gravitate you even more if they just need that specific thing. And there's just, there's so many people making games. There's so many games. Like I, I always feel like, ah, I wonder, am I going to have clients this, this year? And then I just see like a, a, a conference or something like that, or a game montage and all that. I'm like, what is this game? I've never heard of it. And it turns out this game has been being worked on for like three or five years and only now it's coming out. There's like tons of those games out there right now. And I don't even know where they are. So, um, it's, it's there. You may not think it is, but it's absolutely there.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I mean, uh, there's definitely a lot of games and a lot of trailers. Uh, I think we had a conversation before how uh, thinking in small steps to create your game, to find your niche. uh, You you had a very interesting uh, thought process with how to approach your pitch, uh, just like a trailer, right? Obviously, Mm -hmm. the people that you're pitching and the amount of work that and resources that you have is very finite right so you definitely want to find a cross here of where everybody's interest meets which is i want to make this game with a group of friends but i don't want to waste anything on the cutting floor and the same on uh, cutting a trailer you want to be able to make the loudest noise without leaving any of that in the rough cut uh what was what was that thing that you talked to me about i think that everybody over here should be listening to you
0: it was i don't remember exactly but i'm i think what i was probably talking about was um, especially on the first trailer people worry about uh you know putting everything in the trailer because they've been working on this game for so long and everything is important um and then that basically just muddies the waters by just having this trailer that's really unfocused so the thing that i always tell people is when you're making your trailer, especially your first one, is think about one or two things that you want people to take away from your game. So for example, I made a trailer for Heaven's Vault. And their first trailer said, like, open world adventure, every choice matters, uh, decipher a, a language. And then when they came to me, I said to them, well, only one of those three things sounds unique or interesting to me, which is deciphering a foreign language or alien mm-hmm. language.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I'm like, just just throw this stuff out. I know it's important to your game, but uh, it's not going to make people's eyes light up because, oh, my God, that's such an original thing, a world that is open or... <laughs> something where the choices matter, which not to say that it doesn't matter in the game, but when you just see it on paper or in a trailer, it doesn't necessarily, you, you can't understand how they put their unique spin on that thing. But if it's something just totally unique, like translated language, then heck yeah, you know, that jumps out. Yeah. So think about one or two things that you want to communicate with your trailer, especially the first one.
1: All right. So this question comes from Syf FX. Great self-worth advice here. Do you have a formula for how often to put out content like blogs, vlogs, devlogs, et cetera? Uh, I think you kind of mentioned this before. Once a week, the general safe rate to release content.
0: Uh, yeah, once a week is fine. Uh, it, You know, you might think... You have to like saturate the audience or something like that. But once a week is a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. I just I feel like I just blinked and all of a sudden I have this. I'm I'm like going through Squarespace and thinking, oh my god, this is more than the archive module can fit mm-hmm. on this page. I have to figure out how to fit it all in here. Um, but like, if you just make something consistently, you just set a schedule, you'd be amazed at how quickly. Um, you accrue just work so you know once a week is fantastic i think uh and then in the meantime you could just make like little things I mean, you have like a really really small thing that only fits on twitter um just so then that people know you're there um but yeah w- once a week every once every two weeks is probably fine too but a uh, weekly schedule is, weekly schedule sounds like it might not actually be that much but it's a it can, it's a lot especially when it's like the night before the newsletter is due, and you're like oh crap i didn't i didn't finish writing it
1: Yeah, I definitely sign off on that. Like, I I think with anything that you're doing extra outside of creating your game or anything, anything to do with marketing, you have to really set yourself up for success by committing to something, not just for the next couple months, but like, can I do this one thing once a week, whatever, for the rest of my life? Am I signing up for that? Because I'm in it to win it, right? If I'm not doing this for the rest of my life, then it's just things that I eventually will fall off. And it's that consistency that I'm finding with marketing. Like, can people rely on you for that content that they come back to you for every week or every uh, two times every week or something like that? And so I I definitely sign off with what you're saying right there. Which is a lot. I mean,
0: (laughs) once a week is a lot, yeah. Uh, set yourself a schedule, not necessarily just like I release on this day, but maybe, you know, I'm going to write my newsletter for half an hour every other day or something like that. And just say, okay, I'm going to write for this half an hour. And then as soon as I'm done with that, then nothing else until tomorrow, because um, tasks fill the time that they're given. So if you give yourself the week, you just think, oh, it's a week till I do newsletter, then you, you, you might pick at it here and there. But if you just set that time, like, this is only newsletter time, then you might find yourself like totally ahead uh, eventually because just, you know, I mean, you know, I'm really bad at you know, being on Twitter or something like that or checking stuff on YouTube. But if I just set that time and say, this is only for this time, then um, it's amazing how fast stuff can happen.
2: So I've got a question for you for me personally. Uh, at this stage in your career with how many pieces of trailer content that you've released and the tutorial content that you're offering, obviously you consider yourself very high level. So how is it that you find that you're still refining your skills or finding new inspiration or even learning to new techniques in what you're doing? Because I think that this kind of mindset that you will offer as advice could probably apply across the board to people who are high level in what they do.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a good question. The the thing that I do is I just keep watching uh, other people that are in my space, or not necessarily even just trailers, just anything. could be film or games. Uh, ideas can come from everywhere. But, I mean, even just in trailers, though, I'll see something every now and then and think, oh, my God, I never would have thought of that. Crap. Mm-hmm. So as long as I keep having that feeling, then I'm still going to find a way to try to push myself. Um, if I at some point thinking I've done every single way there is due trailer, then um, I'm in a bad situation. But uh, I, I've never ever really thought that at all because in, from my perspective, there's just people just way better than me in other, other fields and we even the same field that I'm looking up to. And even if people would say, oh, Derek, you're, on, you're better than that person or you're on the same level as th- that person. Even if you have like two experts, they're still going to do different things. It's not like, you know, once you reach this level, you're always going to make a thing of this quality, you know, because, you know, progress isn't a straight line that goes up like this. You know, it's, 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 it goes in waves. Mm-hmm. So, there's always time to, to learn and try new things. I like that.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, that's what you got to be really open to, like open to learning and trying new things. Obviously, we don't have everything we know from the get-go, especially when we're starting to strike it on our own, right? Going out there, exploring this new world, this new territory. I feel like the people who feel uh, super comfortable (laughs) are the ones that are the most in trouble, like in my opinion, is like, oh, I got this. I've been doing game dev for the last 10, 15 years. That's how we've always done it. I talked to that producer. I know how to produce. Uh, So I'm going to take on the shoes and responsibility of everybody that's in the studio because I kind of see what they're doing around the studio. And those are the people I feel that are are the most in trouble when reality hits uh, because they're just not prepared to adapt. I mean, that's generally how it
2: is. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, what do you look forward to, I guess, in your career at this stage? Are there any game companies that you're looking to try to work with or just things that you're still excited about, new ways to release your type of storytelling, your visual storytelling content, or new platforms that are ready to receive you? I guess what's on your horizon as far as innovations are concerned? What are you looking at these days?
0: I mean, yeah, there's certainly companies that I would like to work for. Um, I'm I'm at the fortunate position where I get to at this point just only take stuff that i want to work on mm-hmm. and so i mean just work just being able to work with more people that i like on games that i like uh is, is kind of like the the standing goal um and you know the, for all i know you know there's tons and tons of games being made that i don't know about yet so i want to work on those games um because maybe they'll, they'll pop up on the right radar and be like, Oh my God, what was this? I had no idea that I could possibly ask for this. Um, and also I want to, um, you know, just, just also just, just teach more people how to make good trailers. Cause like I said, there's not enough of us. Mm-hmm. I get way more requests than I can take. Um, oh, that's a good and feeling. I just want to see more people, uh, get good at it until, uh, it's like as big as, I don't know, the movie trailer industry or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I mean teaching teaching people even online is it's very fulfilling. So
2: I want to want to do more of that. Oh, amen. Any last uh, words of advice or encouragement to the people potentially getting more into visual storytelling and trailer creation that are currently on the stream that have just seen your video? One last little nugget that you can send them on their way with. One last little nugget. Uh, I
0: don't know, just 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 keep it simple. Mhm. Don't 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 make it too complicated. Just keep it simple. Keep stick to the things that people will remember. Don't worry about showing everything um, and just just go for it. You know, if you're th- if you're a person who wants to make trailers eventually, and you don't know where to start. You know, go to forums, just say, hey, I want to make trailers for games or just make trailers for games that you already like. You make fan trailers. I totally made tons of fan trailers uh, before I was professional um so just 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 start cutting
2: all right well derek if you want to send us off and tell us to go follow any channels or look out for anything specific i'll give you a minute or two to do that but after that we'll be able to wrap up man you're the anchor for today so we thank you for uh pulling an hours worth of content for us brother we really appreciate it
0: yeah uh i don't know just uh you can go to my website go to if you just go to gametrailereditor.com sign up for our newsletter um Sending out trailer nuggets every single Sunday. Um, I don't know if you are into fine art go to go to artprof.org. That's my sister's website. She's has a, a free art education website called artprof.org. She's also on YouTube. Uh, if you're interested in like, you know, print making and illustration and drawing and that sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, that's that's probably it.
2: All right. Well my man, I honestly from the bottom of my heart. Thank you very much for being a big part of this again uh, you're so cool to be involved in both the podcast and the first ever game Dev Unchained Expo so you go down in GDU history for being on both <laughs> platforms if we ever have like a, an enshrined hall of like who's really been big supporters you're in there man we'll make sure all right. to well, that. thank you so much for having me yeah seriously well, we look forward to seeing you at the next GDC party how about that yeah yeah totally all right brother hey you have yourself a good evening.